This evening in our series of the Kings of the Kingdom, we are looking at King Asa. King Asa. Now Asa, by the way, means uh, a healer or a physician or a doctor. Now we'll find out whether he really healed the nation. Just a quick re recap, after the time of King Solomon, the Kingdom of Israel was split into two factions. We have the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. The Northern Kingdom produced a lot of evil rulers. Not one of them walked in the paths of righteousness. Although the Southern Kingdom had its share of bad kings, which ultimately led them into captivity in Babylon, they also had a number of godly leaders. And Asa was one of them for most of his life. You know, the sad part of it is that he ended his life in you know, a rather bad. For most of his life, he did good. But at the end, uh, he messed up. And that's uh, such a tragedy on one side, and on the other hand, such a warning also for us, isn't it? We may live lives that are pleasing to the Lord right throughout our lives, and somewhere along the line in our later years, if we mess up, it is such a tragedy. So let's hope and pray that as we study the life of Asa, we will pick up some important truths that would prevent us from going astray and also will caution and warn us to keep on track. We find the story of Asa in 1 Kings 15, starting from verse 9, and we also can read about him in 2 Chronicles 14. And according to these uh, accounts, the land of Judah experienced peace for 10 years under the reign of Asa. And during his period as a king, he did a lot of things to remove <coughs> pagan worship and idolatry in the land and did a lot to rebuild Judah. He brought in a lot of religious reforms by destroying idols, repairing the altar, even removing his evil grandmother from the position of influence that she had. You know. And that was a really uh, something commendable that he did. But somehow, towards the end of his life, as we mentioned, he ran out of steam, if you were to say. You know. He did a lot of push, 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 push. And somewhere at the end, maybe he got so tired, and uh, maybe all this got into his head and said, I'm doing great, and he forgot about God. So we may start well, but would we finish well is the question. So who was King Asa? Who was King Asa? The scripture speaks about Asa and says that he did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. He did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. Just a little background in the context of another story of Asa. If you notice, you know, uh, during uh, Abijah's reign, Abijah waged war against the northern kingdom, just like his father Rehoboam. He did not fall in the paths of righteousness, you know, and Abijah, with the help or influence of Maka, the uh, grandmother, scattered idols throughout the kingdom and had a lot of cult practices. And this also included you know, a shrine to Asherah, which was a tribute to the Canaanite goddess. Now, in spite of this background, 
in spite of this upbringing, if you were to say, in spite of the surroundings in which he lived, Asa stepped up and stopped the wicked reforms that were set by his family and he created a new legacy. Such an important truth. He did not allow his environment to change him, but rather he became a change for the environment. The question we must ask ourselves is when you are called to be the salt and the light of the world and we look at the environment which is around us, evil and corrupt, and we say, what can we do and still do the same thing? Something is tragically wrong with us. God has called us to be change agents. And from Asa's life, we recognize that it is a possibility. In the midst of pagan background, in the midst of evil influences, to make a change. And that's what Asa did. So although Asa did start off well, he finished his race with a fizzle. You know, just, you know, suddenly just all went haywire and then he forgot God. We'll come to that and in the end, if you notice, it's such a tragedy. Even when the prophet comes and warns him, he puts him in prison and then uh, he becomes even more harsh to his subjects. You know. Not the Asa that we know about during all his life. And sometimes we see that happening in the world today, especially when we read about all this deconstruction of faith and we read about individuals who are in the ministry, individuals who are pastors, individuals who are worship leaders. Somehow, at the end of their lives, you know, in their later years, they just give up. You know, they say this was not what we really believed in. You know, such a tragedy. All your life, you say one thing, but somehow at the end, when it really matters, you give up on God. Our prayer should be, Lord, help me to be faithful to you till the very end, till the very end, till our last breaths. We have to be constantly trusting God to keep us through, to keep us safe. He is the one who said he has started the work. He is the one who is going to finish it. Let's continue to trust God. Life may get tough. Environment may become bad. Things may become good for you, but still don't forget God, because it is God who has kept you safe thus far. So what are the good things that uh, Asa did? <laughs> now, first of all, in his first revival, during the first 10 years of Asa's reign, he enjoyed relative peace. You know? And during this period, he removed all the altars and high places of worship that were dedicated to foreign gods. We read about this in 1 Kings chapter 15 and verse 12 which says, And he took away the Sodomites out of the land and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. Pagan worship which included in a sodomy, pagan worship which included in a perversion of sexuality, all that was common and rampant. Asa came in and said, hey, that is wrong. That should not be there. And he removed all the idols that his fathers had made. Would that have been tough for him to go against the tide? But he did it. Also it says in Second Chronicles 14 and verse 3, he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and broke down the images and cut down the groves. He took away the altars itself so that you know, he dealt with a root problem so that they cannot come back and worship. <coughs> As God, uh, as Asa took these dramatic steps, 
God definitely did bless him with peace. So they, during this first portion of 10 years, you know, there was definitely peace in the land. Secondly, he also fortified the land. Second Chronicles 14 and verse 7 says, Let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers, gates and bars, while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him. He has given us a rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Look at the sequences over here. <laughs> he says, Let us build these cities and make them walls. Why? Because we have sought the Lord. And because we have sought the Lord, he has given us a rest. So since he has given us a rest during this period, let us fortify ourselves. He didn't say God has given us a rest, let us take it easy. No, God has been good to us. So let's strengthen ourselves so that we would not fall a prey. And that's what we need to do during the good times. During the good times, during the peaceful times, during the times when you have no struggles in life, those are the times you need to fortify your base, strengthen your base, put your foundation strong so that when the tough time comes, you'll be prepared. Thirdly, he built up his army <laughs> to 580,000. The scripture tells us in 2 Chronicles 14 and verse 8, And Asa had an army of men that bore targets and spears out of Judah, 300,000 out of Benjamin that bear shields and drew bows, 204 score thousand. All these were mighty men of valor. So he built up his army. He prepared himself for what was ahead. And that is something that we must learn to do during the times of peace. Prepare yourselves, strengthen yourselves for the future. The enemy is constantly on the prowl. Just because you have a period of victory, don't you know, relax you know, at that time. Strengthen yourself for the next battle that would come in. <coughs> because he was prepared when an Ethiopian army marched against Judah with a hundred thousand uh, uh, soldiers and three hundred chariots, a force which was close to twice as large as Judah's, when Asa called out to God for help, victory was given. It was not that he had nothing, he didn't depend on that, but he called upon God. Fourthly, we find that the Ethiopians were chased all the way to Gerar. Second Chronicles 14.13 says, And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto Gerar. And the Ethiopians were overthrown that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away very much spoil. They had prepared themselves for this battle that was going to come, when the battle came, they did not depend on what they already had prepared, but they trusted in God, and God used what they had and gave them the victory. God is able to use what we are willing to give to Him, but that doesn't mean that we don't do anything about it. We must prepare ourselves. Yes, there is a future. We must prepare for the future, but let not your dependence be on that. Let your dependence be on the Lord. <coughs> Fifthly, the Philistines' uh, cities surrounding Gerar were also destroyed, allowing the army of Judah to capture and carry off a vast amount of plunder. Not only did they destroy you know, and win the battle against the Ethiopians, but even the Philistine cities that were around Gerar were also destroyed. That's what 
Asa's army did with his leadership. That was the first part of his revival. Second part, in second revival, <coughs> when the army returned from the victory at Marisha, the prophet Azariah greeted Asa and all the people and reminded them that this success was from the Lord. And he said, hey, look here, in 2 Chronicles 15:7, he says, Be ye strong, therefore let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. God sent the prophet Azariah and told him, yes, you've got the victory, but continue to be strong. You know, don't relax. You know, and as you trust in the Lord to do his work, your work will be rewarded. So Asa took Azariah's advice and for five years, next five years, he doubled his efforts in removing idols and immoral practices throughout the land and restored worship in the Lord's temple. This is what he did. He made sure, God through the prophet Azariah said, keep going, keep going. And he continued to do the good work that had been started. Secondly, he also renewed the covenant with the Lord during his 15th year. Five years after the first revival, during his 15th year, he gathered all the people to Jerusalem and offered sacrifices to the Lord and entered into a covenant with the Lord. We find this in Second Chronicles chapter 15, verses 9 through to 14. Earlier, they were worshipping the idols. Now he has removed the idols and now he is saying, hey, let's come back. Let's renew our covenant. Let's renew our covenant. And they renewed their covenant with God. That's what God wants us to do. Yes, there may be times when you have gone astray, but God says, get back. You know, remove all those alders so that there is no possibility of going back. Strengthen and put the right foundation so that when the enemy attacks, you, know, you are prepared and trust in God to give you the victory. But also <coughs> make sure that you have recommitted yourself to be true to the Lord till the very end. Some of the additional purification steps that Asa took. Number one, he banished from the land all the male and female prostitutes that were connected with idolatrous practices. Secondly, he removed his grandmother from a position as the queen mother. That must have been, you know, a tough job for him, you know, to remove your own family members. You know, there would have been opposition from within his family, but he did not bother about it. He took down the obscene Asherah pole, he cut it down, you know, broke it up and burned it in the Kidron Valley. That's what it says. So that <laughs> no possibility whatsoever of it coming back again. That is how ruthless we must be with sin in our lives if we want to make sure that we continue to get the victory. Don't play with sin and say, how far can I put my hand into the fire before getting burnt? But no, stay far away from him. Stay from the very presence of sin. Cut off all those uh, trigger points which will lead you astray. <coughs> Thirdly, he completely was faithful to the Lord all his life, except for that last portion. The scripture tells us in 1 Kings 15 verse 14, the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all his days. Fourthly, he was also faithful with his finances. He gave God that which was his due. 
in 1 Kings chapter 15 and verse 15 we read, And he brought in the things which his father had dedicated and the things which himself has dedicated into the house of the Lord, silver and gold and vessels. These were separated in our vessels for the temple and he made sure that that was done. Instead of using all those for you know, pagan worship, he says, hey, now we must do that which God has asked us to do. This has been separated for God. And that's what holiness is all about, isn't it? It's like a final determination to say, Lord, all that I have belongs to you. My life belongs to you. I'm going to live the separated <coughs> life. Now, what are some of the wrong things that he did? For the first uh, 36 years or so of his life, he sought God. But the last five years of his life, <laughs> he messed up. There were some shortcomings. Five years, you know, God gave him time, but he did not really respond back to God. That's the tragedy of Asa's life. What happened? When there was a military conflict between Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel, Asa placed his trust in an alliance with the king of Aram. This is what we read in Second Chronicles 16, verse 1 onwards, 1 to 6. It says, in the sixth and 30th year of the reign of Asa, Basha king of Israel came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come into Asa king of Judah. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and out of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad king of Syria that dwelt at Damascus saying, This is a league between me and you as there was between my father and your father. Behold, I have sent you silver and gold. Go, break thy, your league with Basha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. And Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they smote Aion and Dan and Abel-Main and all the store cities of Naphtali. And it came to pass when Basha heard of it that he left off building of Ramah and let his work cease. Then Asa the king took all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof, wherewith Basha was building, and he built there with Geba and Mizpah. Here's the tragedy. Basha comes in to try and put a siege around Asa. Asa, instead of trusting God and saying, God, here's this guy trying to do this to me. I want to trust you to give me the victory as God had given him the victory earlier against the Ethiopians when they came against him. He should have trusted God. But what did he do? That which he had kept for God, the vessel, the gold, the silver, he says, I will take this and give it to Syrian king so that he will stand for me. In other words, he used that which belonged to God, which was separated for God, he did that, that was a good thing, you know, to be separated, but he took that now, this was the bad thing. He gave that as a bribe, if you were to say, to this king of Syria and said, hey, look here, this guy is troubling me, I'm giving it so much so that you would stop him. And that's what the king Syria did. It was a, a good sum. I said, okay, I will take the deal. Now, that is something that was wrong on Asas, but we really don't know why he did that. He could have trusted God. He should have trusted God. He should not have trusted in the uh, things that did not belong to him and take that and give it. And even if it did belong to him, 
to give that as a bribe you know, and say, hey, look here, I'm giving you so much, you know, please this guy, keep this guy off my shoulders. That was not the right thing to do. His trust was not in God, but his trust was in his finances, in his position, in his ability to make this deal. And that's something we must be careful. Don't make deals with Satan. Don't make deals with the evil one. Instead of trusting God, if you're looking for shortcuts, and that's what a lot of people do, isn't it? A bribe is a shortcut to think that it will get the job done instead of trusting God. Asa did that, and that was his tragedy. Now, God sent the prophet Hanani, who rebuked King Asa for placing his trust in the king of Aram and not in God. Now, what did Asa do? The scripture tells us in verse 7, At that time Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said unto him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord your God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of your hand. God said, Hey, look here, if you trusted in me, I would have given you this king into your hand. You would have got the victory over him. Now what has happened is you have become a subject to him. You have missed out on what God had intended for you, you, if you were to say, took the second best and messed up your life. One of the Ethiopians and the Lubims, a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you did rely on the Lord, God delivered them into your hand. For, look at this verse, verse 9, it's an important verse. He says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now, you have done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth, you will have wars. God is looking. God is looking. God is watching to see what step we will take. His eyes are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. If we say, Lord, I'm going to trust in you, he says, yes, that's my, the heart that I'm looking for. And he comes alongside of us and strengthens us. But if we look for something else and say, my trust is in that, then the Lord says, hey, you didn't trust in me to deliver you. And as a result, your life has all got messed up. You will have wars from now on. Verse 10 says, then Asa was angry with the seer or the prophet and put him in a prison house. For he was enraged with him because of this thing. And Asa also oppressed some of the people the same time. What a tragic thing. Not only God sending a prophet, you not listening to him, but also he began oppressing some of his people. It's like he took out his anger against the prophet, against God, on other people. He should have actually been angry on himself for doing the wrong thing, isn't it? And that's what people do. They are angry with themselves. They know in their heart of heart that is not what they should have done. But instead of saying, Lord, I'm sorry, they take out that anger against God on some people, especially when somebody comes and tells you, you have done wrong. Now, what did God, how did God respond to this? You know? Look at what God does. The scripture tells us in the 39th year, of his reign, he was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceedingly great. Okay, God sent a disease on his feet. It's like a, a sore on your feet you know, and it's hurting, it's painful, you can't walk. You know. 
He was just lying down maybe and lying down on his bed sick, you know. God saying, okay, I'm giving you some time, you know. Would you repent of the wrong that you did instead of trusting me? You trusted this king to save you. But the scripture says, there's the tragic part in that verse. It says, yet in his disease, he sought not to the Lord, but to his physicians. It doesn't mean that you should not consult physicians, but the key thought over there is he did not seek the Lord, but he sought the physicians. In other words, his trust was not in the Lord. That's the key thought over there. Just as much as, you know, when Basha came in, his trust was not in the Lord, but his trust was in the king. Similarly, the Lord says, okay, now I'm giving you another opportunity to redeem yourself. Here's this foot disease that I have given to you. You know, who are you going to trust? Trust in me to heal you. Trust in me to get you back on your feet. If only you would respond back to me. But he did not really trust in God. But even though Asa did not have a perfect record, he was remembered by one of the most renowned prophets, Elijah, as having presented a good example for others to follow. In Second Chronicles chapter 21 and verse 12, we read about Elijah honoring King Asa by saying this to Jehoram, you have not followed the good example of your father Jehoshaphat, or of your grandfather, King Asa of Judah. So, there's something good. He did leave a good legacy behind that people remembered him later on, but his ending could have been so different, could have been so different, you know, if only he continued to trust in God. And that is something that we must constantly pray, constantly pray. Lord, let my later years be the best years. Lord, let my later years be not years in which I will fall away. Let my later years may not be that time in which I am giving up my grip on you. That should be our prayer all the time. The Lord has started. He is the one who is going to finish it. Yes, we will go through tough times in life, but let's hold on to God because he is the one who will never leave us nor forsake us. What are some of the character lessons that we can learn from Asa's life? <laughs> Number one, he sought the Lord with all his heart. Right in the beginning, that's what he did. In 2 Chronicles 15 verses 1 and 2, we read how the Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Strong words. Asa listened to this the first time. So the first five years, there was great peace. He was able to do exploits for God. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, right, as he did in the later years, even though God did give him an opportunity, that was the tragedy where he refused that help from God. <laughs> Secondly, we learn this important lesson that he confessed sin where it was. Without sins in the people, whether it was in his life, the revival starts off, first of all. A change starts off, first of all, when you recognize that what you're doing is wrong. The idolatrous practices are wrong. They must be removed. The scripture tells us in 2 Chronicles 15, verse 3 onwards, For many days Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and they sought him and he let them find him. 
Look at all these phrases. They sought and God allowed them to find him. And that's what God promises. You seek him, the Lord will let you find him. In those days, there was no peace to him who went out to him, went out or to him who came in for many disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the land. There was a lot of chaos, but in their distress, they called out to the Lord. They sought him. They recognized what they had done was wrong. And as they called out to God, God gave them <coughs> the victory. Thirdly, he had the courage to obey God's word. Second Chronicles 15 and verse 7, <coughs> the prophet Isaiah, who encouraged Asa to be strong and do not lose courage, for there is a reward for your work. He was strong. He did not lose his courage, even if it had to be removing his grandmother, you know, even if it had to be breaking the Asherah pole that she herself had made. Family issues, no problem. He was willing to stand firm. Fourthly, he acted with courage to initiate changes, to initiate changes. Change is always difficult. If you have been in any leadership anywhere, you will find that change is always difficult. People don't want change. People want to do the same old things, even though it's a messed up life. Change is difficult. But we read in 2 Chronicles 15, verse 8. Now when Asa heard these words and prophecy which Azariah, the son of Oded, the prophet spoke, he took courage, removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin, from the cities which he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. He then restored the altar of the Lord, which was in front of the porch of the Lord. He brought about change. He brought about change. Change requires two things. Repentance requires two things. One to remove something and then to put on something else. Put off and put on. He removed all those pagan idols and brought them back into the right change of worshipping the one true God. Fifthly, he led the people in atoning for their sins. He brought back worship. Second Chronicles 15 verses 9 to 13 speaks about how they sacrificed to the Lord that day 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep from the spoil that they had brought. And they entered into a covenant relationship. And he brought back worship, that which they had forgotten. He brought back true sacrificial worship that the Lord wanted. Sixthly, he brought, led the people in a vow of obedience. And as they did this worship together, we find in 2 Chronicles 15, 14 and 15, they made an oath with the Lord, with shouting, with trumpets and with horns. All Judah rejoiced concerning the oath, for they had sworn with, sworn with their whole heart, had sought him earnestly, and he let them find him. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. They renewed their covenant. There was a change. Old was taken away, new was brought in, there was worship that was instituted according to the practices that God had commanded, and there was this renewal of the covenant that we are going to follow you. Seventhly, he also took you know, partial steps in removing influences that would cause a relapse into sin. He removed Maka, the mother of King Asa, from the position of queen mother, because she had made this an image of Asherah, he also kept some. Verse 17 says, the high places were not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was blameless. You know. Certain things he removed, he took a stand. You know. But certain things he still kept. 
and as a result when you keep some things you know when you keep a little and say it's okay you know you find that little that inch that you give would take you know, your whole life again that's the tragedy of asa now asa went through five different tests and let's check up whether he passed or failed on these tests the first test was idolatry now there was a lot of you know, idol worship in the land you know did he pass that test yes he passed that test because he removed all the idols you know he removed all the idols and he said hey look here what you're doing is wrong and as a result idolatrous practices were removed from the land so first test he passed second test was the invasion from the south you know on the surface it appears that he didn't stand a chance you know but he cried out to god the ethiopians when they came in he cried out to god and the scripture in that prayer that he makes before god he refers to god 10 times you know calls out to god in other words he says god you are the only one who can help me in this you know and when he cried out to god this type of faith you know defeated the ethiopians so yes when the invaders came in the first time the ethiopians he trusted in god and he got the victory so he passed that test third test was reformation and revival okay this one was not so hard all that he had to do is keep doing what he was doing first five years of revival things were doing great as there are the prophets come and says be encouraged if you do this you will your work will be rewarded all that he had to do was to keep doing that which he was doing okay and that's so important isn't it to keep on pressing on sometimes that we say oh, i've been pushing 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 how long should i push up let me relax and when you relax and think oh i'm entitled to you know a freebie i'm entitled to an, a little allowance i'm entitled you know to a little, little relaxation that is where the enemy gets in so don't do that you know keep pressing on asa if you were to say passed on this portion of it especially in this second half after those 5 years the next 15 years he did push and kept pushing hard but when it came to the last 5 years of his life test number 4 was the invasion <laughs> from the north you know when asa took that quick and easy solution of paying the bribe to the king of syria and says hey you know i want to trust in you you keep me safe you know and that is where he failed the test god wants to fight our battles for us we can either make a deal with the enemy and say i want a little comfortable position or we can trust in god and allow him to give us the victory instead of trusting in god he opted for the easy way out and that's why he failed that test the final test that he had was <laughs> bad feet you know when god said okay i'm giving you this final test you know you failed the previous test let me give you a retest you know whether you're going to trust in me or not he put a sore on his feet painful yes you know but did he learn that lesson no he didn't learn the lesson instead of trusting in god he cursed god or he put the prophet who told what he was doing was wrong into jail you know he did not listen to god or the prophet and that's why he failed that test as well 
So if you were to give him a grade, maybe you can give him a B plus or an A minus, but definitely not an A plus. <coughs> but you can say maybe he did pass the exam because he, we find <coughs> that he did <coughs> leave a legacy. He did leave a legacy. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verses 31 and 32 tells us about his son Jehoshaphat who was just like his dad <coughs> Asa and he followed the Lord. So at least that much he did good. He left a godly legacy, not like the previous kings, but he left that godly legacy. Yes, there were some areas that Jehoshaphat also did, you know, like you know, his father Asa, where he made foreign alliances instead of trusting God completely. But in a lot of ways, Jehoshaphat also was a good king. So in that sense of the term, yes, you know, he passed, but he did not really get an A+. What are some practical lessons that we can learn from Asa this evening? Couple of important lessons. Number one, when God evaluates a person, he looks at the overall direction of his life. Though Asa at times failed miserably, deep down in his heart, he had a heart for God. Deep down in his heart, he wanted to follow God. And that's why he is remembered as one of Judah's good kings. When you think of David and we say he was a man after God's own heart, it doesn't mean that he did not do any wrong. You know, he, yes, he did wrong, but he turned back to God. But Asa, he did wrong. Unfortunately, the scripture does not tell us anywhere where he turned back. But God knew his heart that was there right in the very beginning. And that's how God's evaluation system would be. Yes, final score, we do not really know just before he died whether he you know, asked for forgiveness. The scripture does not give us any clue on that. You know, but <clears throat> the principle here is when God evaluates our lives, he looks at our heart. Where are we headed? What's our heart you know, looking for? And that is why through the prophet Ezekiel, you know, God does give us this good word about Asa <coughs> later on. Secondly, as we grow older, our early success may cause us to become self-reliant instead of God-reliant. And something like that could have happened in Asa's life. And it can happen to any of us when we become spiritually complacent. Oh, I've been doing well. I look at that person, he has messed up his life, but I'm doing well. All these years, God has been faithful. I have been faithful. No problem. Take care. If you become self-reliant, constantly our prayer should be there, but for the grace of God, go I. If it was not for God's grace, we would not be there. We would have gone off long time back. We would have gone off track long time back. It is not because of us, because of His grace. So let's be God-reliant always, not self-reliant. Thirdly, the smallest seeds of spiritual compromise may lead us to a bitter harvest, not only for us, but for those we love as well. Asa did a lot of things right, but he didn't pull down all the high places. And that would lead to further trouble in Judah in the years following his death. Today's compromise may lead us to tomorrow's defeat and to a disaster the day after tomorrow. So let's be careful. It is the little things that matter much. Little compromise here and there can sow seeds which will give you a bitter harvest. So be careful what you sow. 
Fourthly, a good beginning does not guarantee a good ending. Asa started well, okay, by ridding Israel of all the high places, you know, most of the high places. But near the end of his life, he did not seek the Lord about his diseased feet. So despite all the good things he accomplished, he did not end on a triumphant note of faith in God. It could have been so very different if only Asa had turned back to God or he did not mess up his life and depended on his finances or in his position. Instead of trusting God, he trusted in himself at the end of his life. If only he had continued to trust in God right till the very end, Asa's life at the end would have been so very different. Fifthly, God is still looking for a few men and women whose hearts are fully committed to him. And this is the challenge to each of us today from Asa's life. Where the scripture tells us in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro, searching throughout the earth to find out whose heart is fully committed. And when he finds someone, he comes alongside and strengthens. And this was the challenge that was given to D.L. Moody when he was sitting at a meeting right at the back and then the preacher said, the world has yet to see what God can do in and through and for a man who is totally given to God. And when he heard the preacher say that, D.L. Moody responded in his heart and said, if the world has yet to see that man, I would like to be that person. And he dedicated himself to God. And the rest is history. We still speak about D.L. Moody. His language, his grammar, they say, was not very great. But he was not bothered about all that. He had given himself totally to God. Commitment to God to follow after him and to share the word of God. Whatever way possible, he made sure that he communicated to the people around. And God used him as a change agent. So, the same principle holds today. As you look at the life of Asa, the Lord is still looking for people, even in today's generation, whose heart will be totally dedicated and devoted to God. And if even this evening, if we say, here am I, use me, God is able to take hold of us and use us as change agents in this world. <laughs> Sixthly, God puts us in circumstances where we have to rely on him. After 10 years of peace, Asa had an army of 580,000 men, but that could have been you know, like a big figure. But when you know, the Ethiopians came out against him, they had uh, 1 million men. They were hugely outnumbered. But if you notice, in Asa's prayer, this is what he says. He says, Asa cried out to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah and the Ethiopians fled. His prayer in Second Chronicles 14 verse 11 onwards is such a beautiful prayer where he cries out to God, there is no one like you, Lord. This is our need. We rely on you totally. When the circumstances are so contrary, God puts us over there. For what reason? So that we can rely on him. 
when you are put in a, when you are squeezed into you know like a dead end god says hey i put you there to find out where are you going to trust now <coughs> are you going to trust in some resources to set you free from this tough situation or are you going to trust in me asa kim and put all these papers before the lord and say lord there's no one else who can help us lord only you can help us and the scripture says the lord defeated the ethiopians when we rely on god matters numbers does not matter to god now he can do anything and we rely on god god is there god plus one remember is always a majority seventhly stay close to god stay close to god remember the prophet azariah came and told asa these words the lord is with you while you are with him if you seek him he will be found by you but if you forsake him he will forsake you the prophet azariah wanted asa to know that he could not experience that kind of victory again if he did not stay close to god that victory was not just like okay now first time it has come it's going to continue again no matter whatever i do no don't depend on past victories you know victory comes as you and i stay close to god we must remain close to the lord if we want to see god at work in our lives if we choose to walk away from god then we can expect consequences for that decision if you used to walk with god but now you have moved away from god god is not the one who moved you have moved away god is still waiting for us to get back to him be close as you draw close to god as you submit yourself to god then the scripture says satan will flee number 8 do what is right even when it comes to family even when it comes to family especially when he had to remove you know uh, maka it would have definitely be a tough thing it would have been so hard to stand up to family life can be difficult when our family does not understand our faith but asa was brave and in front of everyone he did what was right even when it came to his own family took away that asherah pole cut it into pieces and destroyed it in the river kidron in the valley that's what he was willing to do family was not important that's why jesus says if you put your family above the lord you're going to be in danger put god first put god first then he will reward you number 9 when god gives you blessings do not rely more on the blessing than god do not rely on the blessing than god god had blessed asa greatly with riches from winning his battles but what did he do he began to rely on the riches he used all that silver and gold to help himself for a comfortable life by giving that to the king of assyria it worked you know but god was definitely displeased sometimes when we are in the midst of a peaceful time in our lives when things are going right it can be easy to ignore god and find more joy in our blessings that we have than in god himself god has given us a good job you know we are saying oh i have i have a good job you know you forget god god has given you a good home you know you forget god you only thank god for the blessings <coughs> now god wants us to remember him not thank god only for the blessings it's so easy to 
forget the giver and focus on the gift you know forget you know who has given it to us and focus on what we have god says hey that is dangerous number 10 resist the temptation to get prideful with old age he became quite difficult in his old age he put the prophet into prison for giving him instructions he did not like and as a result of his pride god says you are going to experience war you're going to experience war yes as we grow older we grow wiser yes we gain life experiences but since we have had so much of life experiences we can become confident and think hey i can handle anything now i've been here before i know the solution rather than saying hey here's the situation let's rely on god let's trust in god we immediately look back on how we solved the problem earlier what experiences we had and say we did that earlier we can do it this way now we forget that we did that earlier because we trusted in god god takes us through gives us those experiences not so that we depend on those experiences but so that we continue to rely on god yes as we grow older we become wiser we have more experiences but let's not depend on our wisdom or on our experiences finally number 11 end well end well now i said had a sad ending we must keep our hearts soft towards the lord god continues to speak to our hearts when we go astray but we must respond to him isn't it the scripture is so very clear where he says if we confess our sins then he is faithful and just he woos us to himself he puts us in situations he disciplines us so that we come back to him and rely only on the lord but if we don't the end will be tragic let's learn from asa and not finish badly but let us finish well that our constant prayer be lord let the later years of my life be the best years of my life let the later years of our life be constantly relying on god holding on to god in the midst of whatever situation to say lord i rely on you you're the one who has taken me so far you're the one who is going to take me through it is grace that has led us thus far and it is definitely grace that will take us home let's bow our heads in prayer together